HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm the Communications Director at Heritage Radio Network, as always, here with my co-host, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Hey, Kat. What's up? Yo, this is awesome. <laughs> We're coming into our 15th and final hour Woo! of live broadcasting from the Festival Feels in like Charleston, the second. South Carolina. It feels like the second hour. We just yeah. started. We just, we're so young and fresh, and um, we are really, really psyched to be here for a very, very special edition of HR and Happy Hour. I'm totally confused about what day it is. Uh, evidently, it's Sunday, so a little different from our normal weekly Thursday show, but we're going to just sneak this right onto the feed, and no one's even going to know what hit them. A surprise. A surprise. And uh, we have got a full and dazzling lineup of guest hosts from HRN and very, very special guests from the festival as well. So I think I'm just actually going to like go down the line so I make sure I don't leave anybody out. I'm going to start with the line, actually. Uh, we've got Eli Sussman, HRN host. Hi. Hey, Eli. Happy to be us. here. Thank ha- you. Happy, happy hour. Happy, happy hour to you. And uh, our stalwart membership coordinator, Hannah Forden. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to come up with a happy Thursday, Thursday, but happy whatever day today is. Happy day. Happy good day. It's a day. Happy uh, Charleston. Yeah. Um, And to my left, we have the one and only Robert Stelling, chef owner of Hominy Grill. Thank you so much for sitting down with us again this year. Hey, I'm happy to be here. We are really, really jazzed for another episode of Happy Hour with you. And uh, to my right, we have the wonderful... Jillian Zettler, Executive Director of Charleston Wine and Food. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having us back this year. Thank you for giving me some time to put my booty in a couch. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then to my right, we've got an extra special guest, Scott from Bedlam Vodka. Welcome and thanks for sitting down with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, so you have been uh, just really, really taking care of us all weekend, and we have to just say we're so, so grateful to you for well, that. You are very welcome. You guys have thrown an amazing festival. 
Oh my gosh, thanks. Well, we didn't really do have anything to do with the festival. That's all, Jillian. But we've been having a great time uh, taking part over here and talking to as many participants as we possibly can in this 15 hours of broadcasting. I just have two more quick introductions, and then we're going to get into the meat of the show. Um, but of course, uh, to my far, far right, we have the wonderful Liza Ham, HR and Special Projects Coordinator. Hey, Liza. Hi, everyone. Happy How you to feeling? Be I'm feeling really good. Hanging in there? Yes. Um, yes, getting my second wind, or maybe it's my fifth wind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're it's very it's breezy, it's breezy, and um, of course we have with us traveled all the way from Brooklyn. We dragged him out of the shipping container. Our engineer Dave Tadashore, DJ Dave, DJ Dave, and uh, he doesn't have a mic because we don't have a booth, but he's down there, and you'll probably hear his voice converted to digital sound effects. He's doing he's. <laughs> He's doing his own vocal air horn right now. Um, so really uh, an awesome lineup for happy hour today. Uh, yes. And also, I just have to say, hey, Margaret. Hey, Margaret. What's we, up? We miss hey, you. Thanks for listening. We love you. Our girl back in Bushwick. <laughs> Holding down the fort in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, and uh, thanks so much to Vitor for covering tomorrow so that we could... Uh, recover enough to get our boats onto an airplane. It takes a village to run Heritage Radio Network. It really does. And when the village, most of the village goes to Charleston, some <laughs> the village is hold at it down. the village now. Yes. Uh, and there are, there's no one at home. There's <laughs> no one running the show. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been an incredibly fun weekend. I'm so excited. This is the second time that Katie and I and me and Liza and David have been here and we're super excited that Hannah and Eli got to come along this year. Um, we usually do headlines on our show, but uh, does anybody like want to start off and like tell us some of your highlights of the weekend so far? Eli wants to go. I would be happy to. Uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be invited along uh, by Kat last night, and we went to Rodney Scott's for the Fat Back Collective dinner which was, no hyperbole, one of the coolest things I've ever done. There were a collection of amazing pitmaster chefs, restaurateurs there, and it was a, uh, a salute, an anointing, if you may, <laughs> a crowning, a literal crowning of, uh, of, a, of a new chef that's joining the Fatback Collective from Valentina's <laughs> Barbecue in, uh, in Texas, and we ate... We drank. It was um, it was incredible. There was uh, hush puppies and brisket and beef ribs and a lot of booze. And uh, it was just one of I think two hundred and fifty events that have happened. A thousand events, but oh God, it was great not to be a there. <laughs> I really liked that they gave you a, a cocktail in like a glass flask that was handwritten on it, pit flask. Because at one point in the dinner, you went into the pit, uh, the smoke room to like see all the meat and so you you had like a, a cocktail to carry with you and put in your pocket and Eli conveniently wore overalls and it was perfect for <laughs> his pit flask I like a party where when you finish your first drink they have another drink that's waiting for you so you just touch your first drink down to a table and someone hands you a second one that's, that's the best and your backup drink is literally in your pocket yeah in your pocket <laughs> uh, I want to hear from Hannah and Jillian about uh, the crazy, amazing event that happened today. So stoked. Our, one of our new, um, new events this year on the lineup was Queens on King. So for the very first time as part of Charleston Wine and Food, we had a drag brunch 
with five killer queens. It was incredible. It was the energy was amazing. People, there was lots of feathers flying down King Street right now. <laughs> Many a sequin lost in the process, but I, people had such a good time. It was awesome. I have to say, everyone's hey, always hey, searching hey. for like hey. the perfect hangover cure, and I have to say that going to see a drag show at 11 a.m. is my new it was favorite perfect. hangover cure. Absolutely. It was incredible. Like it's There was a bunch of queens who came from Atlanta and then some local queens, and it was amazing. They were all... There were two stages in the beautiful uh, William, William Macon, Macon House, which yep. is phenomenal. It's yeah, like, so it was just this cool juxtaposition yeah. of something that was just really, like lively and energetic and and super right now in this historical home and people were dancing and there were 20s flying it was crazy yeah there were (laughs) rainbow sticky buns being served that were gorgeous uh yeah it was great it was it was definitely one of the highlights and it was such a beautiful venue and so much fun um, and Monica Van Pelt, Von Pelt did an incredible job hosting she did. and she also did. performing. It's great. Cool. Uh, well, Scott, do you want to tell us any of your highlights from the weekend? Um, the whole weekend, I guess, was <laughs> the highlight. I've, I've never been here before. Uh, this is the first time. And I, I, I obviously the people that are listening to this can't see what's going on. But, you know, anything where people can get together and and be unified through food and drink and in a genuine way like i'm watching this woman right now she was dying laughing from a story that her friend was telling her and i've just seen these things all weekend long and it's just so it's just nice i mean it just kind of recharges your batteries and you come out here and you 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 serve drinks and you serve food and you you're you communion with people and it's it's great i mean it's it's been a wonderful thing Jillian, you're like nodding right along to that. Uh, is that was that spot on with the mission and the uh, goal of Charleston Wine and Food? Yeah, we've talked a lot about what our higher purpose is, and we spent a lot of time before this past festival making sure that as a team, the way we were going to approach this year was really focused. And it was about creating connection, making sure that the festival always has meaningful experiences, and more than anything, it has a sense of place. And um, so, I mean, you were just hitting the nail on the head, Scott. So the fact that you see that and people feel that, it's magical. You know, we work all year with emails and meetings and, you know, things are ideas. And then to have it become this, like, living, breathing organism for five days and see people have a great time, it's, it's magical. What I get to do is, like, I just, I continuously say I pinch myself in the most beautiful city in, in the U.S. We're so grateful to you guys for having us. And I also want to give a shout-out to Robert Selling, who um, three years ago, this is before Katie and my time, you kind of helped connect the dots a little bit and help get us connected to the festival and, and down here for the first time. So thank you a lot for that because that's huge. And... Um, he did. What? He sent us up. He sent us up to Brooklyn with a business card. There you go. And we went... The wine and food team went barreling into Brooklyn and it's been better in Charleston ever since. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Well, thank you. I, you know, it's all a great connection. So that was easy. Um, and you were here, you, you helped us close out our broadcast last year. And so we had to have you back for our last, uh, our last hour of broadcasting once again. But um, as someone who you're with the Hominy Grill and how do you, how do you see the way, how do you think the festival is like affected the city? Well, it's really, you know, it's highlighted the city. 
Um, it, it's brought, especially brings a lot of industry attention to the city. You know, people uh, who come here and enjoy the festival um, have, have it down, but a chance to really pull in people from across the industry. You know, we don't really take a lot of time off, so a lot of times we have to have working vacations. Right. So uh, this is a great excuse for a working vacation. <laughs> and uh, Robert, what kind of events did you do this weekend at the festival? Uh, I did a cooking class on Friday morning, uh, biscuits with uh, Callie from, uh, or Carrie from Callie's Hot, Hot Little Biscuits. Biscuit. Yeah, and uh, that was a lot of fun. They had a lot of great enthusiasm. It's early in the morning, you know, it's biscuits biscuits are an early morning thing. So uh, people pulled in, they had a lot of enthusiasm. I think everybody had a great time. And then you bookended it with this. So you, you strategized your festival this year. Yeah, I had a little bit of work in between, uh, but you know, part part of uh, being part of the festival sometimes just means being part of the the restaurant and the fabric of the city. I, I was going to say, I think Robert's being shy. His big nasty biscuit is pretty darn fabulous. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I I wanted to talk about you know this is only my second time at the festival, but I think there've been there's been a lot of like evolution and Jillian, you've been executive director. This is your this fourth is my festival? fourth festival. Yeah. yeah. So how have how have you seen the festival evolving over the time that you've been involved, and uh, what are some um, sort of trends or any like thing that we should be thinking about moving forward into future years? I think one of the cool things that I've seen you started to see like little inklings of it four years ago is that Charleston's starting to get like very distinct food neighborhoods that are creeping in um, it's not just it's not just King Street anymore um, and I think what's really cool is you can explore the city and you're gonna find you know little places and spaces creeping up more and more and I I'm proud to say that I feel like the community is supporting that um, it's not just about big it's about thoughtful and um, you know that you really can have your own niche in your own spot and walk a couple of blocks and find find something really great. So, I, mean, I think that's I think that's one of the things. And you know, we try to change up the schedule 85, 90 percent of it every year. So I think it's just hopefully not being siloed as a team and using awesome people like Robert to bend their ear and find out what's what's cool and what's exciting them and you know and really making it a community effort to produce something really fantastic. I know it might be really early to ask this question, but uh, have there been any kind of thoughts or interesting ideas that you've gotten this weekend that you're like, your gears are starting to turn for next year? Oh, gosh, absolutely. I mean, we've had a 2019 folder, you know, since six months ago. Um, so people that we meet in passing that can't be here that we know, you know, so it, ideas kind of spring from all over the place. Um, but it's, it's always fun this weekend, too, because I'll have people like tugging on my shirt going, I have such a great idea for next week. And I'm like, just give me two weeks and then we can we can be all over it. Table that for a moment. Yeah. We got a weekend to get through. Um, well, Scott, while we have you here, uh, you guys have been keeping us supplied with beverages throughout the weekend, which we're so, so grateful for. But uh, you guys have a pretty cool story, and I was talking to your uh, head distiller last night. Um, but uh, kind of speaking of uh, sense of place and terroir, um, can you tell us about the special way that Bedlam Vodka is produced? The, I'm sorry, say that again? The, the special way that Bedlam Vodka is oh, yeah. produced. Yeah. So Bedlam is a uh, fairly unique vodka. It's uh, rice-based vodka. 
which is uh, kind of unheard of, especially in the United States. It was a 170-year-old recipe from my family. Uh, it goes back to the Great Famine in Ireland where they were trying to make pochine, but uh, there was no grain that was readily available that was affordable enough. So they started looking for anything that they could get their hands on to continue to make moonshine, which was extremely important, apparently, uh, in daily life. And um, my grandfather told me about it. We adapted it. Uh, my, some uh, The other owners... Uh, some of whom I have known for a while. We were all attorneys. And um, so we got together and we just tried, decided we were going to try and make this. And um, and we did. I mean, it, it was just unlike anything else that we had ever, uh, we'd ever encountered. So. And um, you've got a lot of really cool neighbors here at the festival. And uh, have you gotten the chance to walk around a little bit and see who else is here in the hub with you or, or explore a little bit? Um, of like the other areas of the culinary village uh, kind of like what are you finding and have you found some kindred spirits so far on the festival grounds I've tried to explore as much as I can uh, I'm very happy with the fact that we were quite popular uh, <laughs> so I've had to help out in the booth as much as I could but I have had a chance to, to wander around and I, again this is one of my first visits to Charleston and this is my first visit to the uh, uh, wine and food festival and I've just been really blown away by everything uh, there's just such an eclectic um, mix of um, very familiar things and some things that I've, I've been introduced to for the first time uh, I even if I wasn't doing this having been exposed to it I'd want to come back over and over and over again um, there's, there's just such a great rich uh, heritage and, and mixture of new and old and, and everything that's infused in that I've really been blown away by this. I mean, we've, we've done quite a few expos, and this has by far been my favorite. I have eaten my weight in just so many different types of food. Um, I, I'm pretty well stocked in alcohol, so I don't need to visit anybody else. The food I have absolutely been blown away by, and uh, it's just been fantastic. So, Jillian, uh, a slogan that I've been seeing a lot this year is only in Charleston. Can you... Can you tell me like why you guys chose that slogan and what's the meaning behind it? Yeah, so that where else but Charleston idea was something like as we were kind of doing the ideation process for festival ideas this year, we just kind of found even in our planning retreat, like we kept going, gosh, where else, where else but Charleston could you do that? Or where else but Charleston could you see that or eat that? And so it just felt like a natural way to lead into lots of different things and thinking about ingredients and thinking about venues and thinking about like the camaraderie that you see. I'm, one of the things that I think is so magical about the festival and Charleston being like kind of on this global stage, but yet it's still a small place, is that you can literally walk from where we are in Marion Square and go a block and you're like fist bumping and high-fiving people. You see chefs grabbing a cup of coffee at a local coffee shop. And I just don't think that you can you, you can really do that in too many places in the U.S. when you're when you're planning an event of this magnitude. Just bump into someone and I don't know. It's just the, the city really is the whole stage for the festival. It's not just where we're popping up events over the weekend. And can you also just for for our listeners who have been mostly tuning into our coverage of the festival, which has been centered around the Culinary Village, can you talk a little bit about the other events, similar like like the Rodney Scott barbecue dinner and the the drag queen 
the drag queen brunch, queens on king. Um, what are some other like signature dinner events and things like that that you've been working on? Sorry, um, I just got a note passed to me from my uh, sweet mentee at the Carl- College of Charleston's family. Um, reset yes. for me. Sorry. Yes. So um, we, we mentioned a couple of the events that are offside of the Culinary Village, like the Queens on yes. King and the Roddy Scott Barbecue. Can you s- tell us a little bit more about the other events that happen throughout the week? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. So, you know, Robert was chatting about his class. So we do hands-on cooking classes. We do beverage workshops, and we've had them set in, you know, some of our hotels. We've had them in local art galleries. Um, You know, our signature events range in size, but, you know, from North Charleston to Mount Pleasant, things on the water, people taking, you know, eco-paddling tours and, you know, actually, like, going by by boat and coming up against Bowen's Island restaurant. So there's just a million and different one a million and one different types of experiences from super posh to really laid back and that's definitely been a goal of mine since I've gotten here is that food is for everybody or it should be and we definitely can find ways to make sure people have plenty of it that need it. But people's food experiences are really different too. So you know, it's nice to be able to make sure the event schedule is really dynamic and you can have a late night party or you can have a really posh wine tasting and Charleston wine and food can mean a hundred different things to a hundred different people. I also want to ask you about um, food waste. Is there any kind of efforts that you're doing around that for the festival? Yeah, and I want to give a, a shout out to my event director, Ali Bechtel. Um, that was something that she came in like, with a blaze of fire this year um, as our new event director who really wanted to take the lead. And she said, Jillian, my mission is that we are going to be the leader in Charleston as the most, you know, most green, the smallest, you know, carbon footprint you could possibly imagine. Are you okay with me doing that? I was like, absolutely, I'm okay with you doing that. And we were already doing some things that I was proud of, working with Rotera and making sure, you know, plates that are made of fallen leaves and making sure we're recycling and turning over all of the food that's left over from the festival to 180 place. But, I mean, she really spent a long time putting together an entire sustainability initiative for this year. You can see the way stations around the village. Um, Last year, and I'm excited to see how much more we've done, but last year we diverted um, over three tons of waste from the landfill. Compost went directly to a a local company that then turned that into soil-rich um, soil, so rich soil. Sorry, I'm like totally losing my words today. Um, and it went back to a local farm. Um, so it really was festival to farm, and that is our goal at this point. So Robert, I one thing I've been wanting to ask you about since I was planning our coverage of the festival, I of course knew I was going to email you and ask you to come back, and I was doing a little bit of reading up on what's new at the Hominy Grill. And in the past year, you guys have gone to breakfast all day. Yes, we uh, uh, cur- curtailed some of our hours. We, we started serv- stop- We started stopping service at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, we're running the breakfast menu all day. And it's slowly, the lunch menu's kind of creeping earlier and earlier into the morning. So I think we're probably going to end up with a vegetable and breakfast place all day long so it'd be uh, very southern in that respect what did you have customers asking for breakfast longer hours or what what inspired the change um it's 
I think it, uh, uh, streamlining the business, uh, it, it, breakfast is a certain amount of ease to that. Uh, a lot of our food uh, went really well at breakfast. Um, the, we were able to kind of cut our labor and, and, and kind of tighten up our whole footprint in that uh, aspect. You know, this is a great town. And, you know, the, the wealth of restaurants in the neighborhood, you know, as... as you know, you can walk a half a block and find another restaurant, yeah. which means you can walk a half a block and find another job. So it kind of uh, made more sense to operate in this market uh, this way, and um, it's been uh, it's been great because now I have have a life. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, for people who aren't familiar with Hominy Grill, can you give us kind of a overview highlight of the menu? Well, the menu is very Charleston-oriented. Uh, it's a neighborhood restaurant. We're kind not quite downtown, although we are theoretically, uh, but we're near the hospital, so we have people coming all day long, and you want to really be open in there for for the community to, to come in, see your neighbors, and 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 you know people you work, you know businesses, other businesses in town. So that that is the philosophy, and then the the food is is geared towards what is culturally uh, appropriate for Charleston. This is a, a really has a really rich culinary heritage in that it was a wealthy port and um, a lot of different peoples came and had kind of had a crossroads here. So it had a great influence on the food here and the history of the city. It's just a great kind of place to mine and work down into all these different you know food stuffs and food ways. So um, Hominy does that, but I also, you know, stay open and serve people food they want to eat every day. And, uh, you know, I, I like to think that it, it's a kind of a living cuisine. Mm. Will you talk about your shrimp and grits, please? The shrimp and grits that I do at Hominy Grill is the same one that I learned to do under Bill Neal at Crook's Corner, which is a famous restaurant in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, he is, gets a bit of credit with, for uh, starting the modern day shrimp and grits, although I think it's a really uh, old dish in respect or the aspect that it's a you know poor man's breakfast of grits and, and shrimp, which in Charleston are free most of the time, you know, nine months of the year you can catch them in the creeks. So um, it developed out of that. The dish we do it. Hominy is really simple, just bacon and mushrooms and a little garlic, a little lemon, and uh, that's it. Um, but we also have a lot of older Charlestonians who come in and they just want their shrimp sautéed in butter and put on top of their grits and none of the rest of that stuff that's uh, in the way. But the stuff on yours is so good. Thank you. Um, is that uh, something that is typical of, um, you know, maybe if you're local in Charleston, uh, do people go out shrimping frequently still? Is that a, kind of a popular activity? Yes. Uh, South Carolina still has a legal bait season in the fall where you can go out and uh, put uh, fish balls out into the water and yep. catch shrimp that way. What's so, a fish ball? It's a ball of mud and dried up fish meal. And you make, make these uh, big you know, mud balls out of them. And you throw them down in the water. You, you, you stick a, a pole down in the ground. You throw them down in the water and you wait a few minutes and the shrimp start 
as they dissolve, the shrimp come in to feed on it, and then you throw your net down on top of them, and you have about 10 poles, and you drink a beer, and you cast down your poles, and then you circle back around, and you drink another beer, and then you go, because the shrimp kind of come in right with the beer, really. And, uh, really? Yeah, I wanna, yeah. Funny you, how that if works. If you work at it, you can you know, pretty much stay up till dawn. <laughs> how many beers are we talking? Um, well, it's a, a, a 45 quart cooler, so <laughs> that's, uh, I think about 36. Jillian, I have an idea for you. Oh, what? <laughs> Next year, I think you should have a class where you get to go uh, throw some fish balls with uh, Robert, Robert Selling. I'm yes. calling dibs on those tickets. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. I well, it's we'll a get, lot of work. We'll get a beer sponsor and everything. Yeah. <laughs> We're looking at you, Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, what's well, you've your... got to empty the cooler out and make room for the shrimp. What's your beer of choice when you're shrimping? Uh, I'm, I'm, I drink Coast beer, local beer here. Oh, good. Um, good choice. So, uh, <laughs> now I really do want to come. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, well, we are... Um, we're moving towards our, our trivia game for the day, but I want to do a quick time check and see if... Is this the time we are on our last half hour? Oh my god. Okay. Well, how many minutes till we should start our trivia, Kat? Let's start our trivia like quarter till or so. Okay, cool. Yeah, sounds good. Um, All right. Well, can we talk about some of our favorite bites from Charleston from the festival? Because I just think, like, it's been honestly, it's been obscene, like, what I've eaten in the last three and a half days. But um, I think there's been so much that's been, like, really, really special and unique. And, um, I was thinking maybe we should just kind of go down the line and talk about last great bites or, or favorite sips and just some great moments from the weekend. I don't even know where to start. I feel like everything that I have put in my mouth this weekend has been delightful and perfect. Um, uh, we just had an incredible cocktail that our friend Colleen Hughes, uh, who was on la- uh, yesterday, uh, made for us. And it's like a gin, absinthe, uh, grapefruit cocktail that was like just absolutely perfect uh, and then for best bite um, the chicken liver pate at Fig was so good and I could eat that every day of my life like I almost forgot that we went to Fig because it feels so long ago it was like three weeks ago right? Fig was so 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 good yeah. um, just Mike Lott is always firing on all cylinders great meal I want to give a special shout out my last great bite because it was much, much, much needed and prepared with love as always. Uh, Shai Farjan from Yafo Kitchen Shai, brought us over you. a just tray of couscous and then some like green jug type sauce uh, to just keep us keep us uh, sated during our day long broadcasting. And we you know we we're kind of tethered to the teepee a little bit, so. It's hard for us to get out and try a bunch of stuff. So it was very, very, very nice of him to bring us a bunch of food and like vegetable vegetables. Yes. There's a lot of meat around, which is not complaining, but it's nice to have some green stuff on a plate. So Robert, you've been at Hominy Grill a lot this weekend, but have you had anything festival wise to eat that pissed it out? Uh, I had a lot of biscuits the other morning. They were hot out of the oven, so... (laughs) I was I was eating somebody else's biscuits, so that uh, that, that was super tasty. <laughs> it's, it's great to have a fr- one fresh from the oven. It's great to have one that someone else produced fresh from the oven. So, um, 
it's just you know it's so much fun to, to taste other people's foods and you know so fast it's it's hard to remember everything that you've had I know yeah no. It's really hard to answer my own question right now about this, but I, I do want to give another shout-out to Fig. Um, they sent us out this uh, plate of shaved Napa cabbage that had a crumbled, delicious farm egg and some, it must have been like a pickled shiitake or some wonderful mushrooms. And um, just wasn't something I would have ever kind of thought to put together. But it was so delicious and so refreshing and had just like every texture and so much amazing mommy flavor and uh, and I just like love a vegetable dish that leaves you feeling so excited um, and then of course we had the ridiculously decadent party at the Dewberry last night and uh, I had a plate of tater tots and caviar because that's what you do. That's, That's what, what you, do. you do, and uh, and that was like very life giving. Um, although I think <laughs> the the uh, the sodium might actually have been like life taking, but it was so delicious and just like uh, incredibly luxurious. Uh, so that was awesome. And also uh, Luca's chicken roulade that we just had from the Springer Campfire behind us. Luca Nunziata from Luca in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, just passed us back this delicious chicken roulade filled with homemade sausage, and that was really wonderful. So I, there's just, like, way too many things to name, but that's just a few. Uh, Jillian, how about you? Well, first of all, shout out to Whole Foods and the Go Macro um, cashew bars because that's pretty much been what I've been running on and coffee for the past uh, five days. But no, I would say um, Gavin Kaysen gave me a great bite. It was a truffle and foie gras stuffed arancini last night. That was pretty ridiculous. Um, And then Chris Stewart of the Glass Onion did a gluten-free taco out of Bowens Island that was just jam-packed with these ginormous local shrimp that was unreal. So I think those are my two favorites. What about you, Scott? I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage because I didn't have the chance to explore as much, and now I'm listening to all these amazing things that you guys have eaten, and I'm a little jealous. Uh, Most of the time, I did not know where what I was eating came from. (laughs) Someone would show up with a little boat and say, here's a sample, and it was all just fantastic. Um, I did enjoy... um, a, uh, a couple of gin cocktails. Um, there was one from Hat Trick right next to us, and uh, ironically, our um, uh, our friends Conniption Gin uh, from Durham Distillery were here, and they make some some fantastic stuff as well. But I mean, again, everything that I've had here has just been one of the best introductions to a new festival, a new area. Um, and one of those things that will definitely make me come back over and over and over again. It was just amazing. But I really, next time uh, tater tots and caviar is served, I'd like an invitation, please. <laughs> Liza? It's tough going last, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but um, we had so many happy food moments. I'm actually going to take us back, way back, even before the fig. I want to say my was the darling sitting yeah that was wonderful so our team was sitting at the oyster bar um talking about how excited we were and all the guests we were going to have and what we were going to see and just the oysters were delicious the drinks were great we were chatting with i was about to call them shucksters (laughs) you know the shucksters the shuckers (laughs) um and that was just a wonderful wonderful 
uh, evening. And then I'm also going to say for my beverage of choice, I want to say, is it the Gen Joint? The Gin Joint. So the Gin Joint, please yeah. everyone go and have uh, the bartender's choice. You basically choose two adjectives. I think I chose smoky and unusual. Does that sound? And um, they make you up a drink, and it was fabulous. So that was fun. I want to give a shout out too because inadvertently Hannah and I picked the same adjectives, and they made us two different drinks. Soulmates. Yes. Yeah. I, do you remember what it was? It was. Uh, it was uh, herbal and fizzy. Yeah. And we ended up getting, we still got two different drinks, which, you know, a cynic would say, oh, well, they just have a cocktail book in the back with recipes ready to go with any combination. But no, it was totally on the fly. And I, I did feel a little bit judged, maybe, that they like, okay, they said the same thing, but what would she want and what would she want? Like but they were you both didn't great. know yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were really different. Of course, we had to, like we've been like sharing each other's beverages all weekend, so you know, like flu season. Here we come. Little but, did they know, we all <laughs> had everything. <laughs> but yeah, yours was like a cr- more creamy and like minty, um, and mine was a little uh, like spicier and more um, like bitter and had some amaro I think in it which I think I feel like that that kind of sums up maybe like our similarities and differences as well I'm a little bitter (laughs) I'm a little creamy a little fizzy (laughs) yeah but I love the ginjoy yeah David do you have any favorite food moments you can yell it to me oh uh, David likes the quail that was in the the industry tent that I believe we had uh it was from the Macintosh, uh, Chef Jacob Hooter, um, and it, it, it was actually Manchester Quell that he made, uh, oh, cool. and it, it was very, very, very good. Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. All great bites. All great bites. I agree. We have, we have audience members that are agreeing with us, so you know what? We must be right. <laughs> uh, do we want to do, like, one more question for everybody, and then we'll jump into trivia? My question would be, if you're going to go eat anywhere in Charleston tonight, where would you go eat? Hannah, do you have one? I mean, I feel really left out because I didn't get to have any barbecue yet. So I really want to make it to Lewis Barbecue either today or tomorrow because um, that's that's on my list. And Hominy Grill is all is like tied, but I think I think we're kind of plotting to maybe go tomorrow for lunch or late breakfast or something. So I'm really really excited for that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna definitely go to Hominy Grill for breakfast in the morning because that's a must do while we're in Charleston. Uh, we haven't made it to Zhao Bao Biscuit yet, so that's still on my list. And I think we strategize super well in staying until Monday afternoon because it buys us like two more meals we can fit in while we're in Charleston. It's all about the strategy. Robert, what about you as a local? What would be your meal of choice after a long festival weekend? Sunday night. Usually is is barbecue from from Lewis's, or um, I would probably go to Juliet, which is a nice uh, salad, pizzas, and uh, pastas. So salad might be nice after a weekend of indulging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few vegetables. What's a vegetable? <laughs> yeah, I feel that uh, salad sounds pretty beautiful. Um, but yeah, we've been strategizing a little bit about like. How can we make it back to the places that we super love from before? 
and um, also how can we check out something new in the meantime um, and so definitely I'm going to second the Harmony Lewis Barbecue Xiao Bao Biscuit I think we technically still have like at least three meals ahead of us so uh, those are definitely on the list. I love that we're like at the end of a food festival when usually people are like, I'm so done, I'm never eating anything again. And we're like, how many more times can we eat before we have to go back to New York where there's no food ever? Oh, wait, <laughs> guys. Um, but this is like a pretty good sign that we are still going strong. But I will say, I wish we even had a little more time because after our um, guest episode with F&B Radio today, I, uh, <coughs> excuse me, had a little wave of smoke from the campfire blowing over me. Uh, <coughs> woo, it's going still. Okay, so uh, if I could add like a new place to our target destinations, I definitely would throw in one broad. Uh, we've never been there, and um, it was really, really cool. And to, Butcher and B. Uh, well, yeah, I know. God, we have. To, I think we need to miss our flight. There's yeah. too much to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think, like, you know, love you, Hyatt, but we've got to say goodbye to hotel breakfast because we have too many more meals that we have to eat, <laughs> and uh, we have our work cut out for us. <laughs> How about you, Jillian? I am very much a fan of the festival, post-festival large cheeseburger situation. So I would say a cheeseburger from Little Jack's because... Brooks has a very large piece of my heart when I have a crappy day or I'm really tired. Cheeseburger all the way. But I would have to say I'd have to roll over to Macintosh for some of their french fries. So I think it's a combo. It's a combo of cheeseburger and fries, <laughs> sweatpants, and a top knot, and I'll be a happy lady. Jillian, I think you had me at cheeseburger. Um, <laughs> that, uh, I'll, I'll take whatever recommendations I can get, um, but that's probably exactly what I need right about now. All right. I think my goal would be to convince everyone to stay till it's actual beach weather, then go to Sullivan Island and go to Obstinate Dock. Yeah. That's what I want to do. So we can stay, right? Can we work remotely, Katie? Uh, it's okay with me if you can get us home. <laughs> Raise your hand if you want to stay. Yay. I officially endorse this extension of our trip provided our amazing scheduler cat can <laughs> Jillian, can you leave the, 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 the TP up for us? Can we just I, I'm, ha I'm happy we got some solid rentals. We'll get you an inflatable yeah. couch in these, here. These couches are great. If you can just like have them pick these up last we'll just like be curled up right here. <laughs> Worn out leather couches. The That's the way to go. It's perfect. It's so homey for us. <laughs> Alright, well do we want to jump into our trivia? Our round of trivia to close out HR and Happy Hour and Charleston Wine Food Festival? Yeah, Don't expect Kat, anything good from me. The last I mean, time you did trivia with me, I totally blew it. Don't worry. Uh, actually, Kat and I haven't seen the questions either. Yep. And uh, I'm from the north, and I can already tell that I'm not going to know the answers. So we're going to do this trivia a little bit differently. Oh, God, we got our Jeopardy. Oh, no. This so is going to really stress me out. Okay, so um, what we're going to do, Kat, well, why don't you explain, like, the teams, and then we'll have Hannah be our fearless leader through the questions. So what we're going to do is we're going to do, like, kind of a north versus south thing and we're going to have questions based on like the northern US southern US so what we're going to do is like team HRN versus team Charleston wine food alright are you team north no oh yeah I guess I, I think that's like an unfair advantage for us I have a feeling that's the line that's from Alabama I, uh -huh. <laughs> it's been my plan all along oh. uh, I, have a, I have a feeling the lines will be blurred and we'll all just help each other out because that's what we do here 
team spirit. All right, so I'm going to pass it over to Hannah to read the questions. And this is a yelling out kind of trivia situation. Yeah. Just be yeah. as loud as possible. Okay, so uh, Kat just explained the team situation, but this is North versus South. So the first question is, um, most commonly thought of as the dividing line between free states and slave states, the Mason-Dixon line was actually created over four years, beginning in 1763, to solve a dispute about the border between what two states? Oh, God. I'm going to give you a hint. Wait. Sort of uh, 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 mid-Atlantic region? Yeah, it's... Virginia is and it, Maryland? Do we lose if we get it wrong? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mar- Maryland and Pennsylvania? Yes! What? Robert! That was amazing. Oh, man. Okay, so one point for I the South. So Whatever. Uh, <laughs> we will rise again. <laughs> oh, <okay>. no. Um, <laughs> you got it going. Okay, second question. Come on, Brooklyn. Let's do this. Uh, what state contains the northernmost point in the continental United States? Maine. Oh, continental. Yeah. It's got to be Maine. Is uh, it not? That's a trick question. It's it's not Maine, but it does start with Maine. Michigan? Montana. No, you're, uh, Robert was, was in the right neighborhood. Liza got Minnesota. it. Answer Minnesota. Is Minnesota. Canada. One point for oh. New York. Okay. That was clearly a trick question designed to trip me up. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen these questions until uh-huh. today. Uh-huh. Our uh-huh. amazing intern, Sam Lee, who is a trivia master, wrote these up. Uh, okay. Next question. What professional wrestler and manager is nicknamed the Mouth of the South? Can I phone a friend? Ooh, I need Mike uh, Edison. D- uh, Mike what's Edison. His name? Dusty, uh, Dusty Rhodes? No. No. All right. Hi, guys. I'm sorry. I, I told you I'm not very good at this. Yeah. Uh, sports isn't really my forte. I thought Scott had it. Uh, okay. Just name name two random words, and we'll just see who comes up with the funny. Oh. No, it's not McBan. Okay. So the answer is Jimmy Hart. Wait, What? I had no idea. I don't know who that That's is. That's too hard. Give me an so, easy one. The guy that goes, woo, woo. Don't all they the all do that? Oh, that's Rick Flair. Nature oh, boy. I would have been wrong anyway. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Uh, okay. So, Kim and Kanye named their first daughter North. What did the baby girl they just welcomed... Oh, no. What did yeah. they name the baby girl they just welcomed in Chicago. 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 Wait, really? Yep. Wow. Yes. Okay. What is the name of the fictional town in Alabama where Harper Lee uh, set her novel To Kill a Mockingbird? Macomb? Macomb. Okay, so another point for the South. Um, Hey, that's the North. Or the North. (laughs) Pat, you're just, you're like a double agent. The lines have been blurred. (laughs) This is like the Americans. Okay. I'm a little bit of both. Liza just said she's a little bit Yankee and a little bit y'all, which I think needs to be your new slogan. That's so good. I learned that here. Just take credit for it. (laughs) Okay. 
Wisconsin singer-songwriter Justin Vernon is better known as what name that he got from an episode of Northern Exposure. Bon Iver? Yeah. What? What? I had no idea it was from an episode of Northern Exposure. Who are you? She peaked. (laughs) Kat's so good at pop culture. She's telepathic. I'm looking at the sheet. (laughs) Okay, last question. Oh, no. At what attraction in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, <gasps> can I you see Dollywood? A 30,000 square foot aviary that houses the country's largest presentation of non releasable bald eagles. Wait, was I, I right? was with you? I was totally <laughs> with you. I was like, Dollywood. I don't know. No, Dollywood has unreleasable correct. bald no, eagles. No, no, Dollywood? Yeah. Your, your blowout made you like connect with the Dollywood vibe and you got it correct. Oh, but I think Jillian actually said it before me, but I, told, I heard you said Pigeon Ford. Wait, I why does Dollywood have Parton? bald eagles? That's a really great question and I have no idea. She's an American. There we go. Because America! Because <laughs> I think Robert should get bonus points for that clarification. Because yes. she's American. Yes. Uh, well, God, I've never been to Dollywood and like every time I'm anywhere in like any remotely southern state. I'm like, can we go to Dollywood? Can how to far Dollywood? are we from Dollywood? How long would it take to moment? drive? Okay, bonus trivia question. How long would it take to drive to Dollywood right now and how much is the Uber? <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. It'll be beach weather when you get there. Alright. <laughs> um, well, you know, that's if we like walk to Dollywood. Okay, so uh, how long? We, how long? If we drive to Dollywood, it's five hours and 24 minutes. Okay. Um, what time do they open? Let's see. <laughs> this is the only thing I will ever offer to get up early for. I don't. I, I don't have their hours, uh, and it's not giving me an Uber estimate. Um, but oh it looks man. like there is a breakdown somewhere outside of uh, Anderson. Okay, so okay. There might be a little traffic. Dolly, if you're listening, please, please, please contact us. Info at heritageradionetwork.org. <laughs> I desperately want to come to Dollywood. We'll do Heritage Radio Network on tour live from Woo-hoo. Dollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know if my team is going to support me in this, but I will go. I'm so there. I've Hannah's been. with me. Kat's with me. Will, Dave, Liza, Liza's in. Dave is very noncommittal about the Dollywood plan. DJ Dave shrugs. I, I don't know. I, I do have to say, I saw Dolly Parton perform recently. She was amazing. Dolly's on fire. She was like one just constant entertainer. Her voice sounded c- clear and beautiful, so... I feel like this is really great inspiration for our karaoke uh, tonight. We should have a Dollywood theme karaoke. I'm into it. Jillian, we want to go to karaoke. Where should we go? There, there's a karaoke karaoke lift somewhere, so you can you can definitely sniff it, that out. I think we were in that one actually. There's a karaoke <laughs> lift. Does he play the oh, Beatles. Yeah. He, he plays lots of things. He turned it up. We were singing. I don't know if it was the official karaoke, no, lift, but we definitely no, had one. He wasn't enjoying us singing. <laughs> I mean, we he made that up, karaoke though. lift. He wasn't into it. Uh, I think he liked it. <laughs> lift driver, if you're listening, info at heritageradionetwork.org. <laughs> Did you love us? Did you hate us? Inquiring minds want to know. Check below. <laughs> um, this is like, we're going to pass him a note. Be like, do you like me? <laughs> Yes, check yes for yes, check no for no. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, we definitely want to want to have a little karaoke outing tonight. A uh, nice uh, let loose for the team. We've been uh, working it. working hard all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's gonna bring us to the close of trivia. 
to the close of HR and Happy Hour and to the close of our 15th hour of broadcasts from the Culinary Woo. Village at Charleston Wine and we Food did Festival. It. We did yes, it. We did it. We did it. I cannot thank you enough, Jillian and Charleston Wine and Food, for having us back. It has been just more and more joyful year after year that we've been part of the festival. Well, I'm so glad. We, we draw a very, very large heart over Bushwick, and we will have you here as long as you'll want to be here. Thank you Aww. so much. Well, count us in. Aww. Count Look us in that. for next year. I'm ready. <laughs> but uh, this has been so cool. I love our teepee. I love our couches. And uh, we've just had another absolutely incredible lineup with so many guests, loves, new and old that uh, we've had the pleasure of having on the radio. And uh, and we've just had a lot of fun outside of the broadcast, too. And we've got another 24 hours. And um, we're going to, you know, sort of break down all our equipment. We're going to edit all these episodes together for you all. And we're going to post them to our website and to iTunes and Stitcher. We are now on Spotify. I'm really happy to say. Yeah. Uh, so you can find our podcast anywhere. And uh, for any of our recordings from Charleston Wine and Food, just look for Heritage Radio Network on tour. And uh, you can also just find us at heritageradionetwork.org. And do feel free to drop us a line anytime. We hope you'll stay in touch. Info at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm usually the one who checks that. So uh, send me your notes. And uh, it was so, so fun to hang out with everybody here. Uh, I do want to say a huge, huge thank you to all of our sponsors, to Charleston Wine and Food for having us, to Springer Mountain Farms Chicken, who's been our wonderful neighbor and sponsor throughout the festival, to Big Green Egg, the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts, and, of course, Wisconsin Cheese. We love you all so much. Thank you for making it possible for us to come down here to Charleston again. And uh, it's, it's just been great fun. So, Kat, that's going to bring us to the end of our episode. This is, the, this is it. This is the end of our special, special, special episode of HR and Happy Hour. Thanks again to Robert Stelling for all he's done for us and for coming to hang out with us again this year. Thanks to Jillian Zettler, the exec director of Charleston Wine and Food, for making this possible. Scott from Bedlam for keeping us happy yeah. so happy if you know what I mean <laughs> uh, thanks to Liza Ham and Hannah Forden and Eli Sussman who popped on the show uh, throughout thanks to Katie for spearheading all of our logistical stuff this year thanks Kat for putting our whole schedule and lineup together and juggling everybody 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 <laughs> and keeping it super organized and easy cool alright well that's gonna fun. do it thanks right. David Thanks, David. David did it all. You're so stalwart. David did it all. (laughs) All right. DJ Dave. This has been HR and Happy Hour slash HR and On Tour at Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We will see you here next year. Jillian, what are the dates? March 6th through 10th. All right. 2019. Get on it. We'll see you then. We're signing off. Signing off. Peace. (laughs) 